Unmasking Podcast. This is your co-host Shafiq. And this is Jonathan Toyad, aka Mr. Toffee. Okay, welcoming you back. Now, the callbacks. Yes, the callback. Uh, we did bring up uh, this one particular movie when you watched it halfway. Batman mm-hmm. the Killing Joke. It wasn't even halfway, it was like the first one quarter. The first okay, 15, 20 minutes. The first I won't say 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. Now, we didn't like the first 15 minutes. We're unanimous on that, right? Yes. But, okay. It since... was a bit... Okay, to recap for those who did not hear the last episode, it just portrayed Batgirls with pretty weird, odd light, like she's an object, per, per se, per sense. That's what you got from it? Well, yes. Yeah. It just feels unnecessary, per se. I, I, just, I don't want to borrow words oh, from and all that, but... There's a lot of unnecessary in the last episode. Huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, a lot of words. I'm sad to say I have to bring it up, but... Although there was a pretty cool dynamic with the f- bad guy they're fighting, uh, Paris France, I believe that was his name. Oh, can't believe so clever. Name. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they used that name. And the fact that he actually asked one of his hooker friends to actually wear a makeshift bat- Batgirl mask. No, made from a pillowcase or something. Yes, made from a pillowcase. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that shows signs that, okay, la, they're trying their best to, you know, sort of flesh it out per se. So there's a lot of sex in it for some reason, right? I mean, Lots of sex, actual sex before the cutaway. And then there was that one part that came out much later during the, the Killing Joke segment when uh, Batman visited the prostitutes. Mm. And then there was this mention that, oh, Joker usually visits us right after he gets out of Arkham, right? I don't think that was in the comic, was it? I don't remember that. It was probably implied or it was probably... I can't really remember. I mean, I wanted to make an effort to go and read the book like immediately so that I can have some uh, strong comparison, right? But I didn't really have much time because unfortunately both of us are working adults, okay? Yeah, not much free time. With not that. much free time, but we do make enough time to do this podcast. But when I watched the, the rest of the film, okay, that whole Batgirl intro is actually the least of its problems. Well, so you didn't like the rest of the other parts of the movie, did you? It felt like very bad fan fiction or a fan attempt. It's like watching some dude with a YouTube channel, like, oh, this is my attempt at the killing joke as, you know, an, an animation. Like, a lot of things fell very flat for me. Like, firstly, the one thing that kind of... I wouldn't say they messed up, but I would say, like, they could have done more was the artwork because it bounced between like the Brian Bolin uh, like those very iconic frames especially when Joker's laughing yep. to that pivotal scene where Barbara Gordon gets yeah, it and yeah. when he appears at the front door yeah yeah and then it also still holds some remnants of the animated series so it felt very jarring at points like it was very inconsistent and basically like it felt kind of lazy at some parts too uh. like that iconic scene when Joker gra- uh, Joker's grabbing his head and yep. he's like laughing, right? It looked like they literally traced over the comic book page and then just animated his like w- that his jaw a little bit. It felt like a vector graphic drawing, like a motion graphic. It didn't really feel like true animation at some points. So like that to me was the biggest disappointment. So it felt smooth because I actually didn't notice that part. But again, you're probably more detail oriented. I I mean like oriented. Uh, visually. I mean, I see how they kind of take the important parts and they try to like make it their own. I don't know if that's what their real intent was, but there's some parts which is like straight up homage, right? And that's where it really falls flat because like artwork-wise, it looks, I would just say very disjointed, you know? And okay, another thing that I kind of have 
it wasn't really a problem but like when i watched this movie twice one thing that kind of stood out to me was how lazy kevin conroy kind of sounded oh you mean like very invested his delivery was really subpar for some reason and i know that maybe batman has to be a little bit stoic he has to be a little bit more you know i mean he's drenched in serious and moroseness but then like that whole line where he's like kind of pleading with the joker about how this could end up just about the both of us killing each other Oh, when you the asylum part, right? Exactly. Yeah. Even towards the end, you know, when they were like, you know, when they finally engage again, uh, Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill is doing what he does best. You know, he, best Joker, hands down. Kevin Conroy felt like it felt like he phoned it in here and there. I don't know about that. To be honest, I felt that okay, he delivered what he was supposed to deliver. But in terms of stuff we did from. Master of the Phantasm to even the original series. Yeah, but in Master of the Phantasm, right, there was, was... He had moments where he got emotional. And that's the Kevin Conroy I was kind of looking forward to because I was based... I mean, I had a lot of basis on Master of the Phantasm on what his performance was going to be for The Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, okay, cool. Here we have... A, a, not only is Batman facing up against his greatest nemesis, but it's going to be a real power struggle in how, like... You know, it's like order and chaos, that sort of thing. The dynamics and the emotions that will be involved, you know, and I felt none of that come through. I guess, yeah, you, you can't really do much because, I mean, from the source material, Batman doesn't really say that much. It's, it's literally a. It's all about the delivery in the end, anyway. Yeah, right? true that. I mean, I, I know it's mostly about um, uh, the Joker origin and how Commissioner Gordon, even though he was put through such stress, did not break. He did not want him dead. He, I mean, like, the, the, the quintessential line was basically him shouting at Batman, do this by the book. By the book, yeah. You know? So it's like, I, I guess that's where I felt that the killing joke really was... It's like last I mean, the prologue aside, right? Like, say, for example, that didn't exist. That wasn't there to kind of mar this film, right? This film, honestly, to me, it's, um, it's quite a miss. So it's really subpar. I, I, that's how I strongly feel about mm. it, I guess. I mean, I, I was just... I didn't hate it, but I was just... You know, there was this overwhelming sense of disappointment. Yeah, it could progress. have been done better. It, it should have been done, done better. That's my problem with it. I mean, like, Mark Hamill, this was his dream project. Because if I recall, he's the one who's fervently pitching this all over the place, saying, like, you know, how we should have made a killing joke movie and how if it does happen, that he'd be first in line to sign up. And then, like, when it was announced and it was, like, kind of slowly revealed that like, you know, Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy was you know, tasked to come back and play these characters again and in an opportunity well, I mean with this story the ability for them to play off each other yep. and the things that you know was kind of promised and expected especially from the fans like granted like if you read that book okay maybe as a fan or maybe you know, even as a piece of literature right, you can kind of imagine the kind of feelings or the kind of tone that's supposed to be invoked yeah and the thing about adaptations is you can't just do it word for word. You gotta at least add in your own things. You gotta spice not, it up. Not, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. The, not the first 15 minutes of a character's <laughs> origin, that's for sure. But <laughs> everything in between, you know? Like, when you had Joker fighting Batman in that house of horror thing, you know, at the top floor and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Some things have been expanded slightly more from there and even the part where Commissioner Gordon goes mad mm. and then he got, got okay in the end. But the thing is, I wanted to actually take this to another perspective. Let's just say, what if, when you think about it, 
the killing joke did not really hold up after 20 plus years or so. You feel that way? In a way, I do. Because it's actually a story with just shock value. When it came out, obviously comics need to break out. They need to go beyond just the kid I books mean, and was... all that. This was done in the era where they needed that. They needed a Watchman. They needed especially a killing joke or something where Green Arrow and Green... Was it Green Lantern? Uh, had to bust up a drug dealing thing or... Oh, when he's paired up with Green Arrow, right? Something like that, like, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think it was Speedy who was taking drugs and then Green Arrow was like, what the fuck, man? Holy shit. That thing was 70s. Killing Joe was probably 80s, I guess. Around that period. It was, the, it was the period where comics needed to break away from its former mold and they needed to sort of shock and awe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killing I mean, Joke, I felt... it was. Don't get me wrong, it's a good book. It's just... It was definitely a product of its time with the colours... And the characters and Ew, I, I can have a whole conversation and about all the oracles <laughs> becoming oracle, you know. Yeah. No, but I mean the thing is, have you seen the remastered version? I did not like the remastered book because the colors just felt off. I know, yeah, I, I totally, the old I one. totally agree. I mean, I remember like booking an order on Amazon. There was it was called like the limited something edition, like the definitive edition. Right? It's more like kids drawing, scribbling on oh, the edition. God. No, it's, it's terrible, right? Like, why did they do that? And I, I, is it true? Was, was Brian Bolland like? Kind of involved. He in was recolor. involved. Yes, he so was involved. This was yeah. his choice. Yes, it was his choice. Man, no, it's like the thing about that book, right? Especially, okay, even for its time. I mean, that's one of the few Batman books, right? You can give to a non-Batman fan, and convert. Yeah, it's like that. Your one, you know. I mean, like Frank Miller before he went off the rails, right? Like the Dark Knight Returns, right? The definitely Dark Knight Returns, yeah. and also Year One. Definitely. And uh, wait, wait, wait! Long Halloween and um, Dark Victory. And also, was it Dark Victory or Dark Tomorrow? I forgot. Oh, it I was a Tim Sale sequel to Long Halloween. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one I missed out on. And also, definitely, uh, Serious House on Serious Earth. Mm, yes, that would that would definitely be like you know. I mean, that is your foundation for strong Batman. Yeah, uh, the stuff you pass to, like, hey, you want to yeah. be a fan? Here, read this stuff. Yeah, I mean, like you know, here's the goofy Batman. I mean, you have to understand, like, when these books came out, right? Batman was kind of coming off that 60s era goofy campy Cesar Romero and no that's not even Silver Age because I'm pretty sure before Gold that, Age right I, I forgot dude you know that corny Batman the 60s Batman because there, there was, was a, there was L Batman Hombre if I remember oh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> he has a parrot if I recall as a sidekick okay you know, but okay, that's stricken from canon right okay but Killing Joke is canon mm-hmm Killing Joke is the definitive answer to why Barbara Gordon lost her legs and why she became Oracle. It was canon because a lot of people, I think at the time, were fed up about why are you treating women like this and all that. Yes. So she became Oracle around the 90s, if I recall. She was only revealed after a few issues yeah. of this new version of Suicide I, I would Squad, say she didn't recall. really come into her own until the Birds of Prey books. So. Uh, yeah, but the reveal was pretty surprising at the time for a lot of people who were reading that. But it was basically like, you know... I mean, this was a time when, like, we had to have the feminine version of the hero. I mean, you had Or at least Supergirl. portray them really good, lah. Yeah, and I mean, like, but, but yeah, this was their reaction to that. It was like, basically, you know, we had Supergirl, which yeah. is just basically Superman as a girl. Okay, then we had Batgirl. And then, no, there was... Who was, who was there were female... Was there a female, female Aquaman? <laughs> Aquaman? Was there an Aquagirl? Probably. Um, I know there was Tempest, Aqualad, the former Aqualad, but... Not a girl. <laughs> I don't... He has friends who has, who happen to be women and they have aqua powers. Mm, but it's like... Aqua sorcery. <laughs> I mean, like, the thing is, this is what I feel, is like, this uh, origin story for Oracle 
is right up there. It's on par with the em- the emotional and mental devastation of Bruce Wayne kill- getting his parents killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, getting his parents killed or watching his parents die, yeah. depending on which book you read. And it's just a one woman's struggle to actually be like having even the Justice League contacting her. Yeah, like, I mean, and, and and the thing is like. Uh, even though she was paralyzed or even though she was you know handicapped right it wasn't her strength it wasn't her physical ability but her mind yeah. it was her ability to be an, an equally great detective to help Batman you know probably even better than Batman definitely probably better than Batman depending on who writes it yeah you know, I mean, especially in the video games, right? Who does he re- Who does he always call for help whenever he can't figure something out? It's <laughs> always Oracle. Oracle. It's always Oracle. Oracle. You know, put this in the bad computer. Why are we still calling it a bad computer? It's a Macintosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. It's okay. No, no, but okay. Like feelings aside, right? Like, I mean, the plus points about the Killing Joke movie is basically what already exists in the book. Okay, they didn't bring anything new to the table, and what they brought to the table we didn't want. Yeah, you know that should have been left under the table. Yeah, and then probably in a in a way, like why I feel that this is, it's not a bad Batman animated film, but it's only good because of how strong the source material was. Yeah, and in a way it's like you know, I mean, going back to like that Comic Con that mini argument with Brian Azzarello and the fan, mm-hmm. and like how like people. Re- Kind of like how the people behind the this, reception, yes. yeah, the reception and how they treated people when they were questioned and when they were like probed about this, right? You know, it's like that. You shouldn't react that way, guys. Come on, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I know it's one thing to stand your ground, right? But you gotta justify things. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I would say. It's like none, nothing that they did was justified. It just felt like add-ons like MSG itself something substantial yeah you know it's, it's all filler no s- substance so I mean like uh, in, on- in honesty it's a great book the parts they adapted I would say it's a strong B A for effort you know but I was actually gonna ask whether out of a 10 <laughs> though. out of a 10 okay for the first 15 minutes flat out zero okay for the when the, the actual killing joke starts I'll be honest it's a 6.5 to 7 for me like it's a very okay B ah okay I That's mean awesome. like yeah. I mean they didn't fuck with it they didn't make it terrible you know but they didn't do anything to make it warrant an A or at least like you know oh I mean it's near it's not even near perfect you know I'm gonna have to agree with the 7 score actually I I mean, it's, it's, it's a good ad- adaptation, but yes. I'm still questioning myself whether this is still a relevant Batman shock factor kind of story. Don't get, I mean, again, we've seen actually just as hardcore stuff. I remember Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, how Joker died. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, that part was great. <laughs> that was basically the killing joke of that time, you know, in a sense, yeah. Uh, and it was smart. I think yeah. that's the thing is, like, nothing they did here felt smart. Yeah, it didn't feel like that moment. Yeah, it didn't feel like they put any thought into it, you know? Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, Killing Joke is like, maybe it was a cash-in. Maybe it's like, enough fans clamored enough to, like, you know, get enough noise to, to get the gears in motion. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mark Hamill, I mean, bless his soul. Mark Hamill will always kill it as a Joker. He's still the best. I mean, like, his performance as pre-Joker Joker that guy dealing with his family trying to be a stand-up comic having to resort to crime to kind of like figure things out you know and then like you know, he delivered it 
exactly the way I read it. Yeah, that, it's that's like you thing. could tell from the when he was normal Joker, like the human being is when married and all that. You could see, you could feel his voice breaking out into Joker's voice. I mean, he was acting. He was doing what he was being a real pro about it. Yeah. Uh, I, that is the probably one of the reasons why. I, I, yeah. He was, this is li- living, I, he was I, living the role, dude. This is the reason well. I didn't give this a D or a C. Yeah, literally. I think he just carried the film, like got it to a seven that we wanted. You know, I mean, but then source material and everything. The problem is like, especially with a lot of things that are adapted nowadays, right? Uh, if only you had done better. Of right? course, of course, we want the best for our shows that we love and all that, especially when they have new stuff coming in, which is why we have to be a bit harsh about. Certain I mean, that's proof that why we love it so much, you know? I we mean, just we, want it better, we're not right? pandering to, you know, the creatives or to the audience. You know, yeah. We're just telling you all guys how we feel. Yeah, we don't bend over if we know it's a terrible film. Now, speaking sure. of bend over, <laughs> we have to talk about Ghostbusters, huh? Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda, kinda liked it. Kinda liked it, but there's okay. enough of it for me to hate it. Okay, okay. Uh, let's, let's, start, <laughs> let's, start, let's start with the love for now. Um, okay, for those who don't know what the hell Ghostbusters is, four four girls in the car, they rent a place, they hunt ghosts. They hunt ghosts. This is like their origin they story. They answer the call according to the tagline. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And they defend New York against... And, uh, and of course, ghosts. And chauvinism, <laughs> and, and the logo, and, and your own logo, and the logo for some reason. <laughs> and um, yeah, we have a bunch of remixes for Ray Ray Parker Jr.'s song. Oh yeah, 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 they're they're not good. They're not good. I don't care much for that. Now, okay, okay. The good part. The good part. No, no, wait, now, let's preface this a bit a little bit. Um, are you a fan of the original? Yes, I am. Huge fan. Nothing can touch it. Period. A Great very... comedy. Great suspense. Okay, not so much suspense, but great, great play, great characters playing with each other and all that. You know, the banter, the group dynamic. Would you call it a cultural milestone? I would. Yes, to be one honest. One of the 
one of one of no, the, the many things that can the shake most, and it was, uh, the most successful comedy film all time for a while until it was like usurped by what, Hangover or something right? I wish I knew what the stats were but I recall I just hearing that, that like box office numbers Ghostbusters I mean even like adjusted for inflation right was probably the best uh, selling in tickets you know for yeah. a comedy film and they didn't want to make the Ghostbusters film in the first place honestly yeah yeah. this is what happens when you take risks you, you win big but at the same time the cut it not only stopped there. I mean, there was the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which is pretty awesome, and the other Ghostbusters cartoon with the gorilla. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that. Uh, yeah, the course. film, the filmation. The other one, yeah, the filmation one. I wish I saw more of that to actually give my comments on it, but I can't. No, but the real Ghostbusters, good stuff. Extreme Ghostbusters was actually not bad. It's a follow-up, apparently. Uh, where uh, they had a kid in a wheelchair. Yeah, yep, Garrett. Uh, yeah, Goth Girl. Um, oh, Eduardo. And uh, I think it was... Now, this came out at a time where I was like... Uh, Roland, Roland. Roland was a black guy. I This was like probably me towards like the end of like my college years and I had to really concentrate on like not, not failing. So I, like, I missed out on quite a lot of fun things, right? And this came out somewhere around that time. But I was very aware of it and I tried to follow it as much as I could. And... Um, the monster designs are pretty awesome, actually. And I like, I like the fact that, you know, like... It's a handing of the torch because Egon's in it. Yeah, right? yeah. He, he, he's basically like Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond. You know? yeah. I'm here to pass the torch. I'm here to kind of nurture the new talent, to kind of, you know, mentor them. Yeah. And um, I think Janine's also... Janine was there as well too. Still has the hearts for Egon. And the old cast made, made, made a comeback at the last two episodes. Oh, and yeah, that yeah. was a good send-off. Yeah. Uh, how many seasons did this go for? I think it was two or three. I don't quite remember, but... It, it did pretty alright actually Would, did you prefer this over the original animation um the real in me, some sense it actually had more gothic scary bits compared to the yeah, original but the original cartoon. animation if you recall right that was fucking terrifying the, the boogeyman and a few monsters there the boogeyman the, the, the doctor doctor episode where they had like uh, like you know that that slime that stuck to them and it grew eyeballs and stuff. That oh, freaked me out shoot. as a kid. Yeah. Oh I man, was, like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Holy shit. And it's like, I remember okay. like the, the animation being like, well, this is straight up scary. Some, yeah. I mean, cause I, there was this moment, there was this There day. were really good designs, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel lazy at all. You know, there's like a lot of thought process put into it. Yeah. I felt the Extreme Ghostbusters as well had that same thought process too. But like, modernized they probably cribbed it, yeah. But they had to anyway. So, Passing the torch thing, you know, especially in the day and age. Now, we also kind of have to talk about the actual movie, the original sequel too. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Um, I mean, I've like only watched Ghostbusters half of it. came out in nineteen eighty four, which was like, was it nineteen eighty four? This is the dream year, right? Like, the dream year, Tron and all sorts of things came out at the same yeah, time, right? Breakfast Club and a few others. <laughs> oh man, I mean, to me, nineteen eighty four. That was when John Hughes was good. Oi, not eight. I'm you do did, a, you... I'll do a whole episode about how Baby's Day Out is an amazing film. <laughs> oh okay. my god. This I have to hear, man. This I have to hear. Maybe five write, episodes let in. Let me write that down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mental note, you know. Baby's Day Out, very underrated. <laughs> no, but, okay, the thing is like, um, yeah, I mean, we, we need to preface this because it's like, um, I think it's very important that when, when, when you all listen to us, you know, it's like, you gotta know like, how, where we stand and like, the original Ghostbusters film to me is like, it's one of those first movies that I had to constantly rewatch. That was, it was this Gremlins. Um, there were like some hidden things there that you can't, you will miss the first time, which is really no, cool. No, it wasn't just that. It was like I love this. 
I need to see it again. I mean, like, I was like, what, 10 or 9 years old? No, I remember I got, I got this on VHS. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, hey, let's watch this movie. You know? Kids, like, remember that, VHS? Oh, hey. <laughs> it was this big black box you put into another box. Okay? You got this little tape rolling out inside. You got to use a pencil uh, yeah. to turn the shit in. Yeah, that was really hard to watch had, porn yeah, back had, in the day. You had, you had to download the film into the grey box. from the. No, but okay, no, it's like... No, because my family had this practice of a movie night once in a while. And my dad would be the, the connoisseur. He would be the guy like, okay, let's all watch these films. I mean, he introduced me back to the future, Gremlins. Yo, that's awesome, yes. <laughs> no, but this was totally not on purpose because all I knew he was getting his daily war movie fix. No? He would get like Cross of Iron by Sam Peckinpah or something. Like that. But then he'd also rent like... Um, Full Metal Jacket. You know, man, Full Metal Jacket, which I saw by accident. You know? <laughs> it's like, like, holy shit, man. How were you traumatized when you saw that as a kid? Dude, I'm Singaporean. We have national service. Fuck Good yeah, point. I was traumatized. Like, Good point. I, I Good go point. through this shit? <laughs> Fuck that. No, but like, no, I mean, he would show us stuff like Gremlins, uh, you know, like the Care Bears movie, like just stuff for like us kids to watch so that we'd leave him alone. Yeah. No, but it's like, I remember watching Ghostbusters on tape and it was one of those weird, uh, yeah, it was definitely a pirated dub or something where like the first five minutes is missing. <laughs> so I, for the longest time, I didn't know about the setup about them going to the library. It just started straight at the library. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like when I popped the tape in, it's like, okay, we're here in the library and things start moving around. It's like, n- like no opening sequence, no nothing. It's just like, uh, okay, what's this film about? Who are these three guys? What's going on? Look, it's the old lady, you know, and she's just adjusting those, like those index cards and it's like, like, oh, what's going to happen? And then it turns into like, she turns into like this huge purple beast, right? And just sh- shouts at them, right? Yeah. And that was the first time I saw something that would give me nightmares. <laughs> I mean, that freaked me out. But the thing is, right? I also remember after being scared out of my pants and like hiding behind the sofa. And like when the three of them like clamber out of the library and they're just like, ah! and then the music starts. I just started laughing like, oh my god, they're scared too. <laughs> you know, they're, you not, they're not superheroes. I mean, I mean, my little kid mind is like, oh, they're okay, they're fine. What happens to them next? And it's like, I was like watching the whole film. I mean, me, my, my little brother, my sister, we watched that. And it's like, after it's over, it's like, I remember me and my little brother saying like, you know, we need to watch this movie again. We need to train ourselves so we don't get scared easily. But like, that's our like, little oh, okay, kid okay. logic, you know, like, okay, this is the part where the thing comes up, and, like, eh, and then we braced ourselves, and like, yeah, it's not so scary anymore, you know, <laughs> once you get used to it. And I mean, like, it was that scene, and the scene where uh, Sigourney Weaver gets attacked by the chair, oh, where yeah, the hands yeah. just grab, you know, and the thing is, like, I had an armchair that was just like that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and I was, like, sitting in it, watching her get abducted, you know, things, and I, I like, jumped out of my chair, I was like... Fuck this movie! <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that as a little kid. But in my mind, I was, what's wrong with this movie? Why, uh, why does it know everything I'm afraid of? Um, I was actually backwards at the time because I actually saw the cartoon before I saw the oh, movie. Oh, before you saw the film? Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, wow, what a world of difference this is. Even though the monsters were scary, the real Ghostbusters, I mean, Ghosts, Dogs. Was it Zool's Dogs or Ghosts' Dogs? I forgot. Uh, Zool's Dogs. Zool's Dogs was like, holy shit, that's scary. some scary shit. Even though there's, even though now you watch it, it's like stop motion animated. At the time, it's like holy shit, this is actually come up. I was like, like I was just wide awake in my bed after watching that. I was like, I'm not gonna sleep, man. No, no yeah, way. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that for that original Ghostbusters movie was truly terrifying. Yeah, for a comedy, it was terrifying. I mean, it, it felt like 
it was a horror movie with comedic elements. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like they played it straight up as a suspenseful horror movie. I mean, I think props to uh, Ivan Reitman, the director. Yeah, Ivan Reitman. Yeah. I mean, he knew what he wanted and he did it. He executed it, and I think that's one of the the brilliant things about that first movie is because it wasn't trying to be funny. It was just a horror movie with just, funny actors, funny yeah, with, yeah, with fucking Bill Murray, uh, Dan Aykroyd, who was Hal in his God, that's a soul. Rest in peace, Mr. Ramis. You know, and, and it's like, you know, I'm Rick Moranis. Come on, Rick Moranis. You know, uh, Ernie Hudson Jr. Don't forget Ernie Hudson Jr. Man. I mean, Easy, they gotta, you gotta have the straight guy among all the wackos yeah. and the smart guys. Did you know originally that that character was supposed to be written for like, Eddie Murphy? Yeah, it was, it was. It was I remember right. that, I remember that. But I think Eddie Murphy had other shit to do, so... I mean, have you Ernie ever, Hudson. Did you ever think, like, what if Eddie Murphy was Winston Zedmore and then he'd be trying to play off the other three guys? Oh, it's gonna be tough, dude. And he Eddie Murphy cannot be the straight man, period. He has to be the center of the attention. Yeah, pro- probably around that time. Huh? Yeah. But, yeah, um... No, I mean, as a kid, I watched that first movie countless times, you know, and I had, like, you know, sections of the dialogue that committed to memory. And then when like the sequel, the sequel came out when I was probably around like primary six. How was the sequel anyway? I mean, I've only seen a bit of it, but yeah. Again, I, watched it I just heard bad news about it. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to touch this. I watched it as a kid and I was like, as a kid, you fucking love it because it's more of the same. And then the thing is, it's kind of PG a little bit. I mean, like they made it kid friendly. I mean, with this, uh, the premise of part two is basically, you know... Um, this painting, Vigo. Oh, Vigo. Okay. All right. Okay. Now he is the, the 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 new big bad guy, and then basically he feeds off the negative energy of uh, uh people or anything, right? And in order to stop him, you gotta use positive energy. Uh, I mean, I mean that's as much as I can recall about the second movie. But all I remember is that when I watched it as a kid, I loved it. It was amazing. I mean, it had that awesome Statue of Liberty, you know, big scene monster with scene the in it. Nintendo controller. Oh, well, with right? the NES Advantage. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the Advantage. Advantage. <laughs> Good pimping right there for yeah. Nintendo. But, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, if you watch it now, not only did it not age well, it's actually a terrible movie. Uh, I mean, you could see, I, I couldn't see it then, but I, could, I can really see it now, like Bill Murray and like, most of the cast like didn't want to have anything to do with this. They knew it was a cash in, and I do recall like I mean, and then from from part two all the way till now, there were actually like people trying their best to revive. Oh, I mean, you thing. Just, just, the history was insane. Honestly, just like, Google it. I mean, I mean, James Rolfe, uh, Angry Video the yes, Nerd. Yes, yep. He actually did a cool recap. He on... did. Yeah, he did a very cool video about you know how we never got Ghostbuster three. I mean, I suggest you guys go and Google and look for him. I mean, if yeah. you've never heard of James Rolfe. He's an angry video name, by Especially in 2016. Come on. What? Get off Tumblr, okay? <laughs> yeah. Don't but, stop using YouTube. You don't deserve to use it. Uh, you're at the wrong part of YouTube. Oh, but, no, but seriously, like... Okay. okay, that's all probably... But long story short, there was just a lot of now, people spreading rumors or even people don't know what the hell they're doing. But at the same time, I mean, like, um, we had a third movie. Yeah. It was just a form of, form of a game. From Terminal Reality. You want to talk about that straight away? <laughs> um, wow, we... Well, one more. Yeah, let's just let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep the ball rolling. Okay, so... The Ghostbusters, the video game. The last time the original cast... Got together. Got together. Except for Sigourney Weaver, who was replaced by Alyssa Milano. Ah, okay. So, so it's the boss. Still an 80s win. Yeah, yeah. 
and and uh, they didn't score Rick Moranis because Rick Moranis is properly a hermit now, right? Uh, who who did, did, he, did his character come back? Because I uh, no, I don't think he did. I only played the demo. I remember Walter Peck came in. Oh really? The, the Dickless. Yes, Dickless, <laughs> yes. Dickless is back. Yep, Dickless is back. Yeah. No, I didn't play this Ghostbusters game. Okay, I I know it's ten dollars on Steam right now, and I should just pick it up, you know, but. If okay, I'll just say this: If you really, really wanted the third movie, this is your only best bet to actually play and watch it. I mean, you actually are watching. You actually are a new Ghostbuster trying to go into like uh, what's that? Um, that's how they the built the story. Right? Like, like they made it that you're the fifth Ghostbuster. Yeah, so you're like, the fifth guy. Yes. All the exposition is directly like thrown to you. Thrown yes. to you. Right? I mean, that's clever story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say. And then everyone all plays off each other while you're the silent mute who I mean, actually gets the job done. Have you beaten it? Yeah, I finished it and everything. I had to review it for a magazine anyway. Oh, at the time. okay, okay. It was actually not bad for a Ghostbusters 3 movie. But as a game, it's okay. It's basically your standard cover shooter. I mean, that's what I heard, right? It's quite average, right? It's like... Basically, as long as you aim your gun at the monster, you'll be fine. I mean, basically, be... you're just trying to make sure your cursor and your proton stream is aiming the, do- the ghosts and whatnot. But this kind of came out during the whole third-person shooter boom, right? Yeah. Like, like Gears of War and like Resident Evil 4. Yep, yep. After all that came out. Yes. So, I mean, as a game, it, it just seems a little bit... Okay. It's playable. Compared to, like, you know, other brilliant third-person shooters, probably, right? Yeah. So or... that's where it kind of fell short in its gameplay. But as a story... As a story, it's great. It's good. It's it's funny. It's funny. It's got its own not not really horror moments, but pretty cool giant monster moments. You know, something that you couldn't you couldn't do on a real life budget. So let's say, in other words, we do have a trilogy of Ghostbuster movies. Yes, if you count the video game as a third movie, yes. So, the reboot. <laughs> yes, leading back to that, the reboot instead of like doing that whole patch a torch, pass the torch thing. <laughs> Um, it decided to go its own story. Like, oh, these women happen to be scientists and they are ready to start off this Ghostbusters busting agency. Now, there's a strange thing, you know, because uh, do you recall, like, one of the the earliest trailers, they said, like, oh, 30 something years ago, four scientists defended America, New York, right? And then, like, I was so hoping for it to be a past the torch thing. Uh. And like when I heard that, oh, some of the original cast has been, uh, you know, asked to come back. Like, oh, maybe, yeah, but no, they they they, they all just do really one off cameos. That yeah, that's the one problem I have. With, what the fucking <laughs> unnecessary cameos? You know? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, should like, we go to the bad part straight away? I mean, people know what the hell this movie is about anyway, so we can just go back to the go straight to the review, the good and the bad. Okay, the bad part. Okay, for me, my only major problem with this movie is that it's the same thing that plagues other comedies especially for America I mean American comedies there's way too much ad-libbing there's way too much going off script there's way too much hey let's watch this comedian just throw lines and like it was it's the flow of the film that I really didn't enjoy it's like the the opening was kind of nice I mean I mean it, it, it was scarier than the library scene I would yeah. say that like you know like it had proper jump scares you mm-hmm. know, I found that like that was the moment when I was watching it I felt like oh okay maybe there's some hope for this maybe all the negative hype is you know uncalled for yeah. and then all of a sudden when the comedy starts I was like oh yeah this is why I don't <laughs> watch movies but I, I don't watch American comedies anymore it's it's I mean granted like 
everybody tells me oh but Bridesmaids is a funny movie I did not enjoy Bridesmaids at all I don't know I didn't really find it that funny I mean and it's not because I'm a guy it's just that you know I'm not attuned to that kind of comedy anymore mm-hmm. I mean like frankly one of the things I didn't like about the news Ghostbusters is like everybody tells me it's funnier than the original now funnier doesn't funnier yes because it has more jokes yeah more time for jokes I think most of the time yeah. it's done with the ad I mean not. there isn't any like you know moments where it's just proper dialogue you know exposition or, or like the, that dry sly sarcasm that is like you know prevailing in the original movie right but none of them hit for me and I, I'm not saying that I'm some sort of like you know a com- comedy connoisseur where only the best Monty Python jokes you know but that is like it just doesn't gel well for you as someone who I'm likes not a, comedies. I'm not a fan of stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, gr- granted, like, um, I'm not saying all American comedies are bad. Like, I, f- I, l- I like the first Hangover. You know, I laughed out loud when I watched that. Yeah. You know, I was a big fan of Harold and Kumar in the first one. You know, but it's like it's kind of degenerated into this sort of freeform style where you like, like these comedians are given an outline. Like, this is the situation, and it's like. I was made aware of this when I watched a lot of like you know uh, DVD commentaries of deleted scenes. I don't mind the ad libbing stuff to be honest. I don't but, mind it, yeah. no. But the thing is, right? It's like I mean, it's like watching an amazing Will Ferrell comedy, and then you see all the things he has to say before we get to that moment. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, like if you're a comedy genius, like maybe like Will Ferrell or Steve Carell, where you can just ad lib, and then like everything's a, everything's a golden nugget, you know. And it, it just you just polish it further and further. And it does not even feel forced in the first place. Yeah, like this is that scene with Chris Hemsworth where you. It's obvious that he's at living, right? You know, and it's like, oh, you mean the one where oh, um, what's that? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not hear this or something. That ah, that shit. You know, it's like in my head, I was like thinking that's like like a new level of dumb for this character. The director is like, okay, no, he like he's like telling everybody like, no, no, keep filming, keep rolling, like just just stay on this, stay in this moment. And it's like, no, that moment ended a long time ago for me. It's like, why are we still here? What's what the hell is going on? And it's like. that, that's the thing that just breaks away from me getting engaged with the story I mean for me flat out the only thing that I didn't like about the new Ghostbusters was like you know for a movie that's, that was built as a comedy it wasn't built as a horror movie it was built as a comedy as a successor to the original series and whatever it just fell flat it, was, it just wasn't funny to me I mean my own personal opinion my other thing like my, my other thing I hate about this film is the story I mean I'm probably in the opposite spectrum oh, as you with the comedy but the actual story, like the actual villain, all of that, it was like the setup wasn't even strong. Yeah, the setup was strong. Wasn't like, strong. Yeah, it was very lackadaisical. Right? It's like nothing. This was to... like a vehicle for these four girls to get along together and have some rapport here and there, while having a job where you bust ghosts. And from there, it actually worked out pretty well for me. Like, um, I believe Melissa McCarthy, um, Carrie. I really should have just written his name somewhere. Carrie Underwood? I don't know. Uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, Kristen Wiig, thank you. Oh my god, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> Kristen Wiig, Kristen Carrie Wiig. Carrie Russell is in this too? Felicity yeah, herself? Yeah. And, uh, and Holtzman as well. The, 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 the awesome Leslie Jones as well. They all worked really well. Well, here's the thing though. Okay, I'm not saying that the entire movie's not funny, but I like Leslie Jones. Yeah, she's cool. She was the worst thing in the trailer. You know, like, Power of Patty, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But when I watched it, and she was, like, the voice of reason, like, I mean, I okay, I know when I looked at her, like, she's gonna be that typecast, hell no. The straight no. shooter, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, hell no, you know, I'm a black woman, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna speak my mind all the time. It's like, but she was... She made everyone grounded through she reality. She was the most entertaining thing about that movie. I mean, like, Chris Hemsworth, was also kind of funny, but in the more like moronic, new whole new level of stupidity. I mean, like he was know? he was straight up himbo, and yeah. and the thing is, he was a pro. He delivered. I mean, <laughs> like 
Maybe a bit too much. I mean, I don't think anyone in real life would I'm just giving him props for like, he was given that material and it, like he was just being a real pro and he did what he had to do and then some. Mm. You know, like, like, like props to him. He deserves a better career. He deserves to get more money in his Thor movie. I don't know. But... Thor Ragnarok's coming, so hopefully he gets yo, all that I'm kind of that. looking forward to that. But the problem is, right, the so-called, the, the, the three other comedians... Like the reason we're supposed to be watching this movie to me they just fell flat for some reason I don't mm. know like Melissa McCarthy was in this movie desi- designed to play against type uh, she's usually the, the loud obnoxious big woman right but she's sort of like not really that obnoxious just more enthusiastic eh, I mean, and Christian like, Wiig's supposed to be the dull pessimistic straight shooter so I mean like person. okay may- maybe this was a challenge to their comedian abilities or to their acting abilities right but for some reason it's just like they didn't really pull it off I don't know and Holtzman is the weird ass weird, weird motherfucker I liked some of her moments you know but she like, was alright for me but it she felt was good I wouldn't say unnecessary I think some people might say it's forced although I can see that but I felt that yeah you kind of need a crazy person in a group and she's got a whole brand of crazy and she has value too because she makes all those gadgets I mean, but within it, a day but and but so. She, so she's the stereotypical here's the weird genius we have in our midst right yes but she plays it well. She plays it very well for me. I mean... Really alright. I mean, I didn't hate her, but it's like... To me, like the dynamic of the four girls that kind of fell flat. Yeah. But, okay, then... Another thing. What do you think of the effects? Uh, they're okay, I guess. I mean, they're there. And I won't say they're horrible horseshit thing, but especially that scene in the new... What's that? The New York Times Square where they're fighting all the other ghosts mm, yeah, yeah. and all that with the giant logo they're fighting. It was like, okay lah, it's serviceable per se. I'm not saying that the first movie's effects were any great either, but you felt the fear in the first film, the real ghost, the, the, the first ghost. Was it because film. it was done with practical effects? I think I was watching, yeah. And the, and the fact that I was a kid watching that. Or Don't is forget it, it. But do you, the, the thing I have, like one of the reasons why I didn't want to watch this film was when I saw the trailer it had this very strong pixels kind of vibe mm-hmm. and then like my gut reaction was I fucking hated pixels and you know? now that you've seen and the then actual... when I, and when I was watching this trailer I was like thinking oh my god you know it's like maybe maybe it's just you know guilt by association but that, that was probably what made me kind of turn away and like think like yeah why are they doing this and, but I mean, I did give it a chance. I, I did like you know pay the money and go to the cinema to watch it. And I I, I went in not with low expectations, but like, in, in, with the kind of mentality like okay, let's let's see what this has to bring to the to the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I I was disappointed. It was not as good, but I was mostly underwhelmed. Like it felt like such a generic kind of Hollywood tentpole movie that just comes out and like I mean. Granted, I should feel nothing but, you know, unadulterated, vitriolic hate for this because I love the original movie and, like, what came after that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, you know. It's like, oh, it just didn't... It's not just not good. It's just not as good as it's, as I hoped it to be as a fan. And as a movie, like, judging it based on its merits, it's like, oh, it's one of those... It's okay, yeah. I mean, it's alright. It's the kind of thing you would watch on Netflix and forget about. But this is Ghostbusters we're talking about. This is a legacy. This is a franchise. I know, I know. Cultural milestone and all that. But yeah. I feel that there is hope for a sequel or so where they can do everything else better. Yo, I heard it's going to happen whether we like it or not, right? Well, I just, well what, what this movie for me nails is just the chemistry between the four. 
It just needs to work on a better story. That's all. You think? Yeah. It just needs a better villain. It needs a better a sense of like danger, a better sense of like the world is at stake. I mean, at the end of the day, was this, I think it was Slimer who saved the day, right? Or something. Oh, fuck that. Speaking <laughs> of unnecessary cameos, huh? Well, <laughs> Slimer got a chick and he was joyriding and fuck. Well, Right, like I mean, even Sh- that's, that's probably the only highlight. Even CG Slimer bit. needs a girl version. <laughs> no, no, okay, but speaking of like, fuck it was up a highlight for me. It was a highlight. How did you feel about Mr. Murray himself popping in? Yeah, what the fuck was up with that, man? Honestly, no. that's the skeptic. <laughs> as, as the guy who was the original Ghostbuster was a, is a skeptic. Now, now, now he's he's the dickless guy. <laughs> yeah, and he dies. <laughs> they flat out fucking killed him. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah, so I mention your kids, yeah. You know, if you listen to us, we're, we're gonna spoil the fuck out of everything. Yeah, and I don't think the film's gonna be showing right now by the time this airs, anyway. So, is it still in cinemas? I, think I don't think so. No, maybe after another week or so. Yeah, but because there's a shitload no, of films I think coming I, out. I did, I think I did see. Oh no, wait, yeah, I went to see Suicide Squad yesterday. I think it's still showing. Oh, whoops. Okay, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say anything about Suicide Squad. Yo, oh, definitely. That no. is an entire episode of. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we gotta go for that. Lots, I'm gonna lots, leave lots. it at that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back to the haunted show. Uh, back, back to Ghostbusters. Yeah. You know, Ghostbusters. Yeah. You know, if you wanna be feminine about it. Okay, now, as a film, I th- is there anything else you wanna talk about it? Apart from me giving it an okay rating, like maybe a seven. Wow, so many sevens today, actually. No, um, I mean, to me, it's, 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 it's an okay film. Seven. It's, a, it's a strong C from yeah, me. Yeah. I felt that. Like, I think most of the marks is just because of the chemistry and how they carry along as a team, along with Chris, Chris Helms and Helmsworth. Helmsworth. Oh my god! <laughs> and I didn't even have beer. Can you imagine if I had beer? Oh, I'd be like, Ooh, oh. <laughs> you know. But yeah, but uh, we can't skip over this too. Now, the the big hoo-ha about about this movie. Aside from trying to remake one of the greatest comedies slash horror stories of all time, and the fact is the fact they killed Bill Murray. No, and the fact they killed Bill. No, but okay. I think people also want to know what our thoughts are about the feminists and the male chauvinists and all that other shit. I mean, like I thought that shit was done and over with. I no, mean, the like, movie's out. How was your reaction to that? It was just dumb. I mean, a movie should be, just be based on its own merit. I mean. You're putting people in a really horrible yeah, position. Yeah, that's a weird thing, right? Like, yeah. all this drama came out from the trailer. Yeah. Not from the film. It got a lot of dislikes. Yeah, sure. Horrible marketing, whatever. But that that like that no, hasn't happened I would, before. I would say, like, the, the dislikes. Like, it was like it was the most disliked trailer on YouTube, right? For yeah, time. Next, to, um, mean, next, I, to, next to A Christmas Story 2 and next to that Call of Duty trailer. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like, the hate is because, oh my god, like... People can't hate it because they'll be accused of being misogynist and people can't love it because they'll be accused of hating Ghostbusters. That's the gist it's, of it. And it's a stupid it, fight, honestly. It's a, it's a no-win situation, right? Yeah, which shouldn't have happened. I mean, why are we bullies in this in the and, first place? But here's the, here's the amazing thing. Here we are in Asia. Yep. Did any of that get brought up when you ask your friends about it? Not really, no. They just None. say it's a shitty movie or they say it's a good movie. Exactly, you know? I mean, like, that's, that's very interesting because it's like... Man, we're in this really weird culture where we need to hate on something and then we need to put an agenda. Yeah. You know, we're going to tack things on. And, it's like, and then wow. when you come to this side of the world, it's like, the movie sucks. Deal with it. Uh, or the movie's awesome. Deal with it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, that, that, that's the one thing that fascinates me. You know, especially how media or content is like created and how all these different voices need to have their say. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, I'm going to say this like, like, to those feminists, are you Ghostbusters fans? 
Like, yeah, Janine was a Ghostbuster in an episode in the animated show, and that the goth girl in Extreme, Extreme Ghostbusters too. Oh, I really She's a leader, by the way. There you go. Yeah. yeah, we have strong female Ghostbusters. Kylie, that's her name. Oh my god, how can I forget this shit? Honestly, oh, Kylie, of, Kylie of, of the Bernard family. No. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, like, did you feel that that uh, like casting women was a detriment to the movie? Not really. No. No right. If the women are terrible actresses, yes, that might be that might be the problem. So if if we're having a Ghostbusters of like Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, and like, <laughs> it's definitely not going to be my movie. That's for sure. <laughs> no, but they didn't do that. They they casted you know genuinely actually good actresses. I mean, who? maybe not so much for anyone who's not into their comedy styles, but for, I mean, they they, they work with the material all right. I at least at least as far as I'm concerned. Now. Sony kind of mentioned that it might be an all-male version too, right? Well, if... What I suspect is... What if, let's just say, this female Ghostbusters start up an enterprise in the sequel, mm-hmm. or the sequels after that, yeah. they could have like an all-male Ghostbusters team, or like a mix, or have a bunch of like... Even Indian Ghostbusters, because, you know, scary Indian monsters and folklore. Which was kind of what the game that was tied into this movie was supposed to be about, right? I, about how they franchised it, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. The that 2016 Ghostbusters game, have you tried it? I heard it was horrible, so I'm not it's touch a, it. It's a $40 twin-stick shooter. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> that shit, man. <laughs> I love Ghostbusters, but I don't love Ghostbusters that yeah, much. Especially in the age when uh, Geometry Wars 1 and 2 <laughs> exist. You want to play a, tri- a, a twin-stick shooter, you play fucking Geometry, Geometry Wars. Wars, okay? It's fucking five dollars yeah or free I think <laughs> or free with some if, bundle if, if, if of you're an bundle. Xbox uh, live account gold member I think yo I saw the gameplay and I was like nah and did you hear what happened to the company oh yeah I heard it went bankrupt right it went under straight away oh yeah. my god that's so bad so that kind of shows you like they're not like well to be fair it was actually the other games that they had trouble with with Razer and with another company but the game was just basically the Icing on the proverbial shit storm they were in. I mean, for a game of that price, yeah. are you giving us that that much content? Like, no way, know. man. No, no, no. We're a lot smarter than that. I mean, there's another thing. You know, like, really, we still have tie-in movie video games. Yeah. Didn't you see what Batman or Shadow Mordor did? You know, take your fucking time. You want to make a Ghostbusters game? Just yeah. make a Ghostbusters game. Don't make it an open world Ghostbusters game you know if Sucker Yo. Punch um, you know if Sucker Punch or if uh, Insomniac were to do a Ghostbusters game it would be so much more insane yeah, really those are the companies you want to do you want to make your Ghostbusters game I don't mind Insomniac they actually do really good they did Ratchet and Clank come on it's a comedy game that can work with all the gadgets and all that right and Sucker Punch they're really good at open world stuff with Infamous and the other Sly Cooper games. That's true. So, I mean, open like, world Ghostbusters with the car as your vehicle. Would it be a third travel? person shooter? I'm gonna guess to say yes, really? because that's what that's what captures the market nowadays. You know what I want? What? I want an ID software Ghostbusters it's game. It's software. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, when they hit it on the part with Doom, that game fucking scares you still. Oh, yeah. You know, the, like, yo, if that team made a Ghostbusters game, like, shut up and take my money, yeah. yo. If, if we're gonna have like a best of 2016 podcast yeah Doom is gonna be in there oh dude that, that, has, that is still topping my best game of this year same here man same here
Epic Games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that Ghostbusters... No, no, no. I mean, we kind of want to tie that game you played earlier on if you want, you know, like... Okay, uh, the first Ghostbusters. For, for research for this podcast, because we're scientific about all this, yes. right? Okay, I decided to go and revisit a classic uh, Sega game, the Ghostbusters game, which, you know, I think is the other good Ghostbusters game, mm-hmm. besides the one I haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, you have your uh, important Ghostbusters, so it's just Peter... Uh, Peter, Peter, Ray. And Ray. No Winston, but also no Janine. Yep. <laughs> you know, so we're... You know, it's a Japanese, did I mention it was a Japanese made game? It was a Japanese made yeah. a game made in the eighties, nineties. So fuck it. <laughs> no, no. Like, so it's a it's a side scrolling two D action game where you can pick and, you get to pick a stage Mega Man style. And you know, with the chibi designs and the colors and everything. Yeah, so you know, this was like one of those first games I played on Sega. Peter and, has a pretty big head, you can sort of see Bill Murray's. I remember like as a kid head, as a kid know? what like playing this game, like why are they designed this way? You know? And like on oh, then I understand like when I much not not much later but pretty soon I got into like you know the Gundam SD and all that like, oh it's it's a style oh my god here's the thing remember when I said that I only saw the cartoon first then I went to the to the movie oh god at the time when I saw the cartoon when I played this video game I was like why the fuck did Peter look so different why is he balding <laughs> holy shit and then I saw the movie oh okay okay I'm sorry and I, I mean <laughs> you're you're still into that animated series Peter yeah yeah. I mean, those voiced by Garfield. Fun fact. Yeah, Lorenzo and, Music, right? Yes, yes. And? Bill Murray played Garfield. Feels it. Wow, there you yeah. go. <laughs> the circle of life is complete. The fan fiction writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but okay. Um, I do want to give some shine to this game. It deserves a shine, yes. It deserves some shine, you know, but it's it's a part of its time. It's really short. It's about like six, seven stages max. Yeah. You can beat it in half a day, maybe less, you know, if you get skilled with it. Yeah. But you know what? Um... You know what I probably want to do? I probably want to do like a let's play or something, you know, and I'll create a little video with our commentary on yeah. it, you know, and put it on the lastking.net, our website. Yes, we should do that. <laughs> Maybe we okay. can just describe about the game a little bit. Like, we know that four different places, you got a, a house, big ass mansion, a house, big ass mansion. mansion, and a house on fire. Yep. Then you go to the dark castle. And then you go then the underground. Whole, the hole inside the city. Yeah, the hole under the ground. Deeper underground, you know. Yeah. And each place has its own monster to beat before it beat the big boss monster I mean it was basically it's a, it's a platform shooter by numbers you know you have your uh, mid boss your last boss you know I'm sorry your mid king your last king yep <laughs> good one good tie up good there you go and then um, you got like um, I and think it's that got was... the themed stages you know yeah. you've got your ice stage your fire stage your high rise tall stage and you got your regular house stage and the, your regular tutorial stage you know yeah yeah and, and actually the first boss you fought was actually kind of cool it was a Round rotund dude with no head, a hat, with no head, and a top. Brings hat. out the hat. He brings out the top. Hat, he's got a hungry ghost coming out. You know, I thought that was a tie-in to the Twilight Zone movie. Remember that one? Uh, have you seen Twilight Zone? Holy movie? shit! No, no, I don't know, man. You haven't seen Twilight Zone no, movie? No, no, no. Oh my god! It's like it's another horror movie with Dan Aykroyd in it. You'll <laughs> love it. Okay. Okay. You know, John Landis it made a sequence where two people actually died. Okay, but that's far from it. There's this one. Uh, it's basically an anthology. Where you have like four horror, four or five horror stories, right? And like all these directors did one story each, right? Now the one done by what's that fucker's name? Was it Toby Hooper? Toby Hooper of Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, no. Yeah. Probably Toby Hooper. Yes, Toby Hooper. Yeah. Now he, I, I don't know if it was him because I know Steven Spielberg, John Landis, and uh, I can't remember who the other guy was. Oh shit! No, no. But there was this one. Um, 
one of the anthology stories is about this kid who could make anything happen with his mind mm-hmm. and there's this one sequence where it like uh, he invokes some giant scary puppet bunny monster you know and it's like oh I thought the Ghostbusters game was kind of like you know referencing that it could maybe because when people I mean, designing that's, games that's the connection I made you know it's like I saw that movie and I was at that age and then I played this game like oh is, is, is are they connected because in my in my like 12 year old head I was like oh then I course in both of these and then there was <laughs> and then the other monsters in the game there you've got the flying siren thing you've got the snowman you've got the flying siren thing which is a reference to the infamous Dan Aykroyd dream sequence ah yes yes okay okay yeah <laughs> the blowjob goes <laughs> for all of you out there you know who, who need to have it spelt out for there's you. even a little shop of horrors kind of reference too that was the castle boss castle uh, yes, yes the castle boss no but like oh man no Rick Moranis no, no Rick Moranis for some no, I, I think canon wise it's probably my exp- my reasoning why like Winston's in it like this game is set during the montage sequence of the film oh. where they're busting ghosts throughout the city. The part where they feel really good. You know, I mean, like, yeah, you have that first ghost which was Slimer in the film. Yep. And then after that, you know, all this happens and then, you know, they, they make a name for themselves. So, like, this game probably ties into that section. Mm. Like, this is how they made a name for themselves. Like, before they fought the Stay Fuck Marshmallow Man or Gozer. You're about to say Stay Fuck Courage You. Yes, I would say <laughs> Stay Fuck Marshmallow Man. <laughs> He makes a cameo in the new movie. Fuck me! No, 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 but <laughs> the thing is, um, no, like you know, I think it kind of helps with that movie in a little bit. Like you know, like you're fucking around with ghosts, things from another dimension, things that could kill you. You know, spiritual things, paranormal things. And I love the fact, like, oh, hey, yeah, this is our job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what we do. And like, you know, that game didn't age well. I'll have to admit. Yeah, definitely the not controls could. Yeah, controls could Control, use work, but yeah, it's, it's still a great game. It's still good. It's it's still. I mean, if you're not gonna pay ten dollars for like the Ghostbusters, 3, or forty bucks for a twin stick shooter, or for why don't you just download this ROM? I'm pretty sure it's yeah. <laughs> somewhere out there. Like what everyone else is doing in this day look, and age, look, anyway. Look for this Ghostbusters game on Sega. Yeah. It's the is the original Honestly, good Sega Ghostbusters game. If they were selling this on the Wii, I would have bought it just you know support and stuff. But still. Uh, okay, right now your best yeah, bet is download. Why isn't it on Virtual Console? I have no idea. Licensing issues, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it should at least be in like Sega Arcade Classics or something. Right? Yeah. But anyway, point is, alright game, nice to actually visit. Go back once in a while. I right? think we should do a Let's Play. We should, we should. We should, huh? Yeah. Anyway, since we're on games, EA actually lent us a copy of Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Oh, speaking of the strong female protagonist. I guess that was, your lead-up came too late. Okay. Well, better late than never, anyway. Yep. We have a theme, yes? Yes, yes. It's not as it's random. It's somewhere there. It's somewhere there. So tell me about Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Alright, so it's a first-person parkour game, which is a spiritual successor to the first Mirror's Edge. Okay. It's supposedly supposed to be a reboot, like a coming-of-age thing where... You see Fate's origins, but it's not a, it's not a prequel at all. It's like a whole new thing. It's a new character. Uh, it's still the same Fate. I think she's a bit more naive, in a sense. Oh, in she? in the first game, she's more wi- wised up, but in this one, she's more like a young spunk kind of so aggressive person. More emotional. More, yeah, prone a little to bit emotions. Out of control. Uh, out of control. Yes, that's how she got into jail in the first place. I mean. The, the, the world's version of jail because this is like a this 
a utopia where mm. castes are separated, like rich people on top, poor people at the bottom, mm. and she's actually one of those messengers who actually deliver parcels and stuff. Doesn't well, play the gov- by the rules. But the government turns a blind eye to these things because mm. they are what that they, they also help support the economy in some sense because of the deliveries right. and shit. When she went to, when she got to jail and she just came back out because of a revolution that happened a while back. She just got into the job as a career again and some conspiracies happened involving Kruger. This is businessman who seemingly looks like the guy who runs EA right now. Hmm. Yeah, so some, there's some meta thing going on. And involving him and the project, which is in the, they don't know we don't know what this project is. Hell, I haven't finished the game yet. I have no idea what this project is. So this is like your first four or five stages in? Um, I'm already like, what, 50%, 60% in already? Because okay. I was actually killing time, ticking around and doing doing the trials. And, you know, there's this, you know, a game called Crackdown where you see all those green pixel things oh, you I just have to collect. That. that was like an Xbox exclusive, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you see all these green chips bits that you just have to collect. Oh, Mirror's no. Edge Catalyst has that. So you see a lot of that on the ground. You see a lot of that at the top high-rise areas where you kind of want to get it, even though you don't have to. So they added collectibles to a free-running game. Yes, collectibles. Now, unlike the first game, where it's like eight to nine linear stages, this one's like an open-world game, which just happens to have a bunch of stages all stitched up together. I mean, that's one of my problems I had with the original game. I mean, like I didn't play until very mu- much later. I mean, it came out very early in the Xbox 360 lifespan. Mm-hmm. And I kind of ignored it for the longest time. You know, but I only got it basically because uh, I think it was like a, like an EA bundle on like Humble Bundle or something. And I got it like, you know, as a free copy. Mm-hmm. And when I played it, I was like, oh, uh, I really like this game. I, I, it's basically just speed running yeah. constantly. And it's like, I mean, I think I did mention in the very first podcast that when it comes to video games, I love anything with a challenge. And like it presented the right amount of challenge. You might like this one then because there are many opportunities where you can beat people's times online and even your own times. Nah, here's another thing. I don't much care about multiplayer or like running up the leaderboards. Oh, no, no, no. You're not, you don't have to fight people. You're just playing by yourself or you so, want to challenge yourself running from point A to point B. In also like time possible. attack and score attack. Yes, all that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so again, no... There's no multiplayer that I know of. All you do is basically just beat your times and your friends' times okay. for stages. But for the main mission, it's just a bunch of like puzzles here and there. Now, you recall in the first game that Faith can actually see red because yeah, of the yeah, past. The, the runner's vision, yeah, the mm. runner's vision. In this one, sometimes they shut it off so that you can so that you're forced to solve it without oh, using the red so line to get it. You have to tap into like your instincts a little bit. When yeah. There, yeah. Okay. Although the game is friendly enough to be like, here, you know what? Here, you can activate runner mode because you're taking too long to solve the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So it takes about like what? So it still holds your hand here and there? A little bit, yeah. Actually, it does when it comes... But then you can choose to turn off the free the runner's vision if you like. I see, I see. Okay, now... It's, it's not a sequel? It, it's not a reboot? It's definitely a reboot because everyone is all brand new I don't recognize anyone from the old games except for Fate so in this new one what's the new mechanic or what's the new gimmick or what makes this different from the original game it feels about the same actually you still jump and dodge with your L1 and your R1 I'm using the PS4 schematics okay and R2 is to basically do a quick dash forward so you can not nudge people or okay. dodge and I think square and triangle are your attack buttons I okay. believe, yeah. So basically, combat's a little different. You cannot hold guns now. Which is good, actually. Yeah, because you have to rely on momentum to, you know, knock people down really quick. So let's say you're running, like, what, for two seconds? Mm-hmm. You see a guy in front of you. 
You, you jump up, you do a flying kick, he's already down for the count. So momentum uh, helps. And a new mechanic here is if you run for like a second or so, you actually build up some armor. Your armor will stay consistent as long as you keep running. So basically okay. when you get shot, your armor goes down, not your actual health. Oh, if I you see, stop I running, yeah, yeah, yeah. you will run out of armor. And that actually helps with the whole running around mechanic because you, if you stand still, you're pretty much dead. So it pretty much forces you to keep moving forward. Yeah, you jump Which around a I lot. Like a, okay, I like the sound of this. I mean, okay, but comparing the two games, right, is this a major improvement or is it just I guess a retweaked first game? Retweak for the better per se, like it knows what to do with the open world setting. But okay. you can't help but feel that maybe this is just Wait, expanded. This is an open world now. This is an open world, yes. Oh, so it's not to a, a point. To a point. I mean, you can't jump from one building all the way to another sky rise. Oh, but you're not Superman from Canal Lord. Is it like more than Mirzet's run, where it's like just multiple paths? This is like literally you can like take different off. paths. Yeah, here and okay, there. Okay. You can pick any mission you like. I mean, obviously your main story missions are in order, but not so much like the side stuff. Which helps you build up your character and open up new time attack possibilities and open up safe houses. Okay, I'm actually kind of getting interested in this. Yeah, it's, it's not bad, it's not bad. And the soundtrack's also different too. It's more relaxing compared to really? the first Mirror's Edge. Same composer, just a different take. First one was more beats and uh, more story-oriented. Oriented. Okay. Whereas this one, since you're running around, free-running on doing side stuff you're gonna hear more calming daytime and nighttime music so like, which helps really heavy on like the Brian Eno in a way in a way yes it's Brian Eno yes thank you very much <laughs> I mean Solar Fields himself the composer he's a Swedish guy who knows his music scene here and there he's so done music public. definitely like music for airports and elevators right but just done very the nicely. good one the, the good kind the good kind <laughs> I know what you mean yeah like more for like a sleek white utopia universe place I guess there's not much bad I can say. Okay, maybe the plot can be a bit by the numbers. I mean, you have your... You have this guy you meet named Icarus who's like basically on edge against you, but he warms up to you. Okay. And you've got like your mentor character, Noah. And you've got like the badass rebel who takes no nonsense. I think it's Rebecca. Okay. And Kruger is a typical business bad guy guy. So I mean like... Is that even a term? It's, so it's a very limited cast, you know. Um... Not to say that they're horrible actors or whatnot. I mean, okay. they play the roles fine, but that's it. It's just fine. No breakthrough. Even Faith herself, she's alright, but not. she doesn't really stand out per se. Mm. I mean, it's good that she's brash in a sense. And more proactive, but more, how do you say, she just thinks, she just acts before thinking. Compared okay. to the first, first version of Faith in the first game. So, would you recommend people pick this up instead of the first game? Um, or give both a, ch- a shot? I would say, uh, without sounding like a guy whoring out to EA, <laughs> I'd say give both a shot, actually. Okay. One for a different, one take of uh, Mirror's Edge, and the other for more like a new age take on Mirror's Edge. So, I mean, nothing stratospheric or nothing like, it's, it's not like a major breakthrough in terms of gameplay or mechanics, but it's... Both games can stand on your own. I'd say if I were to give, me a, if I were to give it a rating, maybe about... An 8 out of 10. Okay, and it's pretty strong, actually. Yeah, it is. I'm just, I just wish the story was stronger. I mean, I know yeah. I'm only halfway through. I like what I'm doing, mm-hmm. running around, solving problems without guns, which is good. But, <laughs> you okay. just run around. You, you, when you're leaping from part here and there, and then you, can't, you don't know I mean, where to go next, yeah. then when I turn on the runner's vision, I'll be like, holy shit, I'm supposed to go there. I'm so stupid, you know? <laughs> it's like, damn it! So, I mean, I, I, the thing is, like, I, I get the reason for a runner's vision. I mean... It, 
I, I hate it when games baby you, but at the same time, I also hate it when games don't tell you what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. No, now, the run decision will be like, okay, if you're stuck, just press me, you know? That's uh, it. If you're stuck. Oh, and I've used Radius Vision quite a bit, so <laughs> I'm pretty bad at Dude, like, I, I play game. all the Batman games with Detective Mode all, all the time. Everyone's, oh, everyone's a freaking skeleton, right? Like, fuck it, man. I need to know what I need to do right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have time to figure things out. I just need to know. Yeah, but okay. It actually helps when you're on the run, definitely. Like, otherwise, you pick one path, oh, I'm dead. The checkpoint system is actually more forgiving than the first game. Okay. The first game, we had a fair checkpoint system. But for those who are frustrated by the first game's checkpoints, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, if you die at one spot, you'll go back literally like not even half a second at the spot before you jumped off the roof. Mm. So it's pretty friendly in that sense. So not a major improvement, but the natural or the logical evolution for the series? It's a logical evolution. Yes, logical evolution. Mm. I mean, after you do like a very linear-based game, on parkour yeah just do an open, I think next step is do a non-linear version of it okay so with optional shit you want to do here and there so basically from us at the last game we definitely recommend you pick a copy yeah pick up a copy of uh, Mirror's Edge yeah Catholic. it's good stuff it's good stuff okay now we're gonna go for a quick break yes alright and and we're gonna go straight to the final frontier right the brunt of this episode okay cause Star Trek Beyond dropped Yep. And we have to debate on the value, on the trilogy, on where this is going. And I'm just gonna say it right now Into Darkness is a superior film. Holy shit. Okay, we're at odds here. So, yeah, stay tuned and we're gonna continue this right after these messages. <laughs> 